Hey, Texas Values Action friends. Jonathan Sines here, president of Texas Values Action. Great to be with you this afternoon on Friday. And this is really going to take place as part of kind of our normal schedule of our Texas Values Report. We kind of do a weekday week uh, report of some of the things that have been going on. But there's been a lot of activity this week. You know, and, and if you know anything about the work we do at Texas Values Action, this is the advocacy arm of Texas Values where we do uh, work regarding lobbying, election endorsements, very active on these issues. And so, and one of the things that we're doing with Texas Values Action is the presence that we're having this week at the Republican Party of Texas convention, committee meetings, efforts, all, all things going on across uh, the state of Texas. And so, and a lot of things going on in person that's been leading those efforts, not only this week, but for some years now, is the Republican Party of Texas Chairman, James Dickey. Mr. Chairman, welcome to our video and our update on some of these issues. I'm glad to be with you, Jonathan. And I tell you, it was great to see you and your team at our temporary committee meetings in Houston earlier this week. Uh, part of the great, really dedicated folks making sure that our platform uh, is representative of fantastic Texas values. Thank you for the work you do. Well, we appreciate that. Look, and you know, Texas Values Action is the largest organization that works on the issues of faith, family, and freedom from the advocacy realm. We've got supporters in all 254 counties of the state, and you know, it is a big state, and, and you're no stranger to that, traveling across the state, meeting with a lot of people. Let's talk a little bit, you know, I think a lot of people, um, particularly in the past two or three months or around election times of the year, people get to know you a little bit better or familiar with you, but there may be a lot of people that are just getting familiar with this process, particularly with some of the activity and the events this week. So let's step back for a second, uh, Mr. Chairman, and let you just really talk a little bit about yourself, your background, the work that you've done here in the state of Texas, and a little bit about your family to let people get to know you. Well, thanks. I, I grew up in Fort Worth. We moved there when my dad uh, went to seminary there at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. And that's where I grew up. I love Fort Worth. I went to a Polytechnic High School on the east side of Fort Worth, a great area where it really touched my heart that um, my friends and family from that area just had, were not benefiting from conservative principles and the success we've seen every time that they're implemented. And so that made me want to get involved. And about a dozen years ago, I was frustrated with how Texas wasn't having a big enough impact. I went to vote in the primary and I had my precinct chair ask me to get involved and I got involved at our precinct convention and then our Senate district convention and then the state convention. And it was a state convention in 2008 in Houston that really made me fall in love with the Republican Party of Texas because there is no other organization that is as grassroots as bottom up. And in a, in a six month window, I, I went from just being somebody who regularly voted and supported Republican candidates to a national alternate delegate at the Republican National Convention. And only in Texas can you do that and only because of how grassroots a party is. So. I got hooked. I co-founded the Dallas Tea Party. I 
then co-founded a company outside Austin. So I moved down to Austin because I knew if anybody in Texas needed more conservative voters, it was Travis County. And so I, I came here to, to work behind enemy lines and ended up becoming, uh, ran to be a precinct chair, worked as an election judge and clerk, and then ran to be county chair and became county chair and did that for three years. And then when my predecessor stepped down three years ago, I ran to be state party chair, knowing that the party needed to do more to advance our principles and move forward our objective. And what I had no idea was just how bad a shape the party was. And in fact, no one did because my predecessor and the predecessor's treasurer had not let anybody know that uh, until the night before I was elected, when the treasurer announced the party had less than 700,000 total in all bank accounts mm -hmm. and that in just a few months, we'd be out of money. Uh, and instead, right now, our treasurer just a couple of days ago announced that we have $5.1 million in the bank. Um, and, and that's not $5 million raised. That's $5 million in the bank after all the work we've done. And we had never done voter registration. We just announced yesterday we've, we've registered over 120,000 new Texas Republican voters just in the last 12 months. We've recruited 5,000 volunteers. We haven't done a volunteer recruitment effort like that in decades. And we've done all of that in the last couple of years. I'm so proud uh, with how we have come along. And I know that there's a lot more we can do as, we, as sure. we've gotten better and better. Well, and Chairman Dickey, you know, look, I travel around the state, not as much in the past three or four months, uh, but certainly over the past three years, our offices here in Austin, you and I run into each other quite a bit. And I tell a lot of people, if I ever think that I'm not, uh, that I'm working too hard and it's time for me to take a rest, I'll run into you somewhere and I'll think about what you're doing and, and you're setting the bar really high. But, you know, that's the importance. I mean, a part of the role that you're in is interacting with people, meeting with people in person and really developing those relationships. And so, and you mentioned Houston a couple of times. Hey, you know, look, I was really appreciative of the work you were doing, pushing back against the mayor of Houston. That's where I grew up, right? That's one of the, the first conventions I went to was in 2008. So, you know, when I think about H-Town, I get all emotional and get excited. And I actually went down to Houston earlier this week to participate in some of the efforts and be present there. Um, and, you know, look, what happens in Houston can really certainly have an impact in other parts of the state. But, you know, there's still work to do this week. And I want to talk a minute about the convention. But, you know, one of the reasons why I wasn't in Houston earlier in the week was because there were some big elections this week. You know, that everything kind of came together on this week. It's been wild. And so, but some very big runoff elections, a lot of Republican candidates, a lot of Republican primary elections. And I know the party typically doesn't get involved in primary um, elections, but some great candidates that were elected. Now the party knows moving forward um, who the candidate's going to be. And I, I think I heard this, tell me if I'm right, that the Republican Party has um, at least, if not the highest, one of the highest amount of candidates that are running in positions um, across the state quite a bit more than the Democrats. We do. That was one of the other things we started to do for the first time about a year and a half ago. We started to be very intentional about recruiting candidates and it helped in so many ways. And right this minute, we have the lowest number of incumbent unchallenged Democrats in Texas history. We've got 2,118 Republic races where there are Republican candidate in it. And there are only 837 races where there's a Democrat candidate. And so we, we've already 
already won nearly 1,300 races just because we did the hard work well in advance to be more prepared. And I'm so proud of the team for doing that. And I'm so appreciative to every candidate who steps up. I know personally just how tough it is to be the candidate, to be out there, to take the slings and arrows. And I'm grateful for everyone who ran. And I am thrilled to be able to support our nominees moving forward and that now we have all those nominees. And yes, you're right. In, in the last week, we were working on a primary runoff that I'm responsible for, preparing for the biggest political convention in the free world and preparing for an online backup for the biggest political convention in the free world. It's been a pretty no. crazy week. Well, there's, there's going to be a lot of activity this week, and there will be a lot of talk moving forward about November. One of the big races will be Senator John Cornyn versus the Democratic nominee, MJ Hager. A lot's been talked about that. You know, I'm, I live close to that area. I think that um, she lives in the Round Rock area. That is, uh, you know, a big statewide election that will get a lot of attention. And a lot of people in the Democrats thinking they have an opportunity to make some ground there. But, you know, I imagine the Republican Party is going to have something to say about that. Oh, absolutely. So she came shockingly close to, to almost beating Congressman Carter in that race last year. Fortunately, he worked hard and has earned the support of his voters. So he beat her back, even though she raised a crazy amount of money and really was much like O'Rourke, kind of a flash in the pan. She she caught fire with a couple of lucky things in a video and that that kind of stuff raised a bunch of money and was a threat. But now, just like O'Rourke, voters have had much more time to look at the real, the reality behind the image. And, uh, and she really is, um, she's Elizabeth Warren on a motorcycle, you know, running for office in Texas. And I am very confident that Texas voters will not believe that she represents Texas values. Well, one of the races, uh, and one of, a lot of our work is focused on the state level, too. And one of the things we saw, we endorsed several candidates in the primary. One of those was in House District 45, just south of the Central Texas area. Carrie Isaac, Carrie Isaac. race, and very convincingly, and a lot of people feel, including Texas Values Action, that's one of the reasons we endorsed her, a chance to flip that seat back to conservative representation. Erin Zweener holds that seat. She's a very liberal, liberal Democrat, one of the founding members, I believe, of the LGBT caucus. She fought to, to take down religious freedom laws like the Save Chick-fil-A law and lost that battle. But that's a district that certainly could be won by Republicans. Very much so. And in fact, that's the, that's the thing about the Democrat narrative. They, they've been saying they're going to flip Texas since the minute we won Texas nearly 20 years ago. 2003 was the first time we had control of the Texas House. And every election since then, they say they're going to flip Texas back. But their narrative was they won 12 House seats two years ago. All it would take is nine more to win. And we had nine seats where we won by five points or less. Well, Technically, those are true statements individually taken, but there is no chance that we don't flip back uh, some of those 12 seats that they want. And Kerry's a great candidate to do that. We got Cronda Timish up in Denton County. We've got, uh, we've got candidates all over the place. Uh, Karen Brownlee up in Dallas County. Um, uh, Luisa Del Rosal in Dallas County. We've got, we've got a lot of great candidates. Will Johnson in uh, Dallas County. We've got in Rockwall County, we've got, we've got great, great candidates who are going to give us a serious chance to be able to win seats that, that are currently held by Democrats, and I cannot wait to celebrate with those candidates in November. Well, and look, I mean, it's a presidential year, okay? Republicans have picked their nominee. 
uh, President Trump, the incumbent, he is our current president, and you've got Joe Biden running against him. I, I mean, maybe it's just me. I just don't see a lot of activity from him. And, you know, I don't know if that's their strategy is to, you know, to keep him out of the public so he doesn't engage in more blunders. But it looks like they've got a real problem at the top of the ticket um, where, with an economy that's improving in the state of Texas and across the country. And a lot of people in, in the president really leading a lot of efforts for freedom reopening. He's out there, you know, urging schools to continue to try to reopen and really help people get back to what they do best. And that's taking care of themselves, embracing their freedoms and contributing to the economy. And I think, you know, while it was a challenging two or three months, uh, you know, he, he never rested, worked about as hard as anybody could be expected. And um, it, it seems like that could resonate well with voters. I think it will. And, and that's, uh, we've seen some polls showing, you know, Biden's fine. Well, those polls tend to be registered voters. As we said, we have added over 120,000 new Texas registered voters. So that's going to help. Uh, but also, no question, the minute the president and Biden are head to head, I think the comparison will be quite obvious to everyone. And as you said, uh, they've been keeping Biden in his bunker. And even when, even here in Texas, when they had the their virtual convention on the Democrat side, they couldn't even take him live from his bunker. They had to do a recorded video because that's how little they trusted him, even among the party faithful in Texas. Very interesting. All right. Well, speaking of conventions and virtual conventions, there's been a lot of activity this week. Before we talk a little bit about the convention and what else is to be expected, um, let's talk about the difference between how the Republican Party and the Democratic Party do these things and the importance and kind of what happens at a convention. And you sort of, you know, um, tipped on this or, or mentioned this, set this up, that it's one of the largest political events in the country, if not the world, in the state of Texas. Yeah, it really is. And it's really important. And how we do it is so fundamentally different. I mean, I saw somebody on Twitter say, oh, haha, the Republicans can't do just a big webinar online. Well, actually, that's the point. If all we wanted to do was broadcast to people online, that's trivial. We don't do, we don't operate that way. We want the grassroots input. We need it and we value it and we know we're better for it. Now that causes all sorts of additional technical hurdles that the Democrats didn't have to worry about. Because if you just, if you have a backroom committee of folks who just make the decisions and the decisions are done and you're just plowing through those decisions, it's pretty easy to do an online deal. You just well, broadcast. And, yeah, Mr. Chairman, look, I'm sure you know, they were looking to try to have, obviously have an influence on the Republican convention by having one of their most liberal leaders, the mayor of Houston, Sylvester Turner, stepping in using government power to cancel one of the most important, as you said, one of the most important political events, the, the Republican Party of Texas convention. There's important work that you have to do that relates to the elections and so on. And I'm sure the mayor was well aware of that as a former member of the Texas House and, um, and the role that he played. And what a shame that he's, you know, the courts or whatever, he's been able to sort of get away with that. Uh, but look, the, let's talk about the, what happens in the convention and why you fought so hard. You backed sure. up your SREC, your Senate uh, Republican Executive Committee. They voted to try to have, to continue to try to have an in-person uh, convention. You backed them up by going to court. What is it that happens in the convention that's so important to make sure it gets done? So we have two big things that happen in the convention. The first is elections. 
we elect everything from the presidential electors, the members of the Electoral College that are gonna, te that are gonna cast Texas's 38 Electoral College votes for President Donald J. Trump next this year. Those 38 electors are elected at our convention. Plus, even before that, the national delegates and alternates who elect, uh, who nominate the president and vice president for the position of president, vice president to be on our ballot. Those delegates and alternates are elected at our convention. That's 155 delegates, 155 alternates, 38 electoral college members. Those all get elected there. We also elect our leadership. That includes our whole board of directors. There's 62 of those, a man and a woman from every one of Texas's 31 uh, Senate districts. And then the chair and the vice chair, a man and a woman um, running for those. And so all of that leadership gets elected there. Then on top of that, uh, as importantly, if not more importantly, we set our policies and our rules. So the, everything that decides how we can conduct our business gets decided by the members, by the convention delegates at the convention, and then our platform, the policies that we will fight for, our legislative priorities, our platform items, those are set by debate at convention. And it's not just in a backroom committee, it is on the floor with right now, we have over 7,000 registered delegates who are gonna oh. participate. Well, look, even with all of the things going on, the mayor trying to get it shut down and people not sure whether it was gonna be in person uh, or virtual, if you know if um, it was gonna get stopped and so on by some of their the efforts from the left, still 7,000 people have registered. That's quite remarkable. As a matter of fact, before, uh, just for a second, um, Texas Values and Texas Values Action, our team's gonna be active at, um, for the rest of this week at some of these general sessions and other meetings, if you want to get alerts, text um, TX values, text TX values to 797979. So the number to text is 797979, and the, the message is TX values. And we'll give you a, alerts about what's going on on critical votes on the platform. And I, I uh, sort of think there's a big vote on the leadership, uh, the chairman. And so it's a disclaimer, so to speak, and it's not that it's hidden, certainly we've been public about it. Texas Values Action has endorsed James Dickey for re-election of the Republican Party of Texas. Texas Values is not a Republican organization, but we know that the leadership in this particular party can have an impact on the issues of faith, family, and freedom. And Mr. Chairman, um, I want you to talk a little bit about what you've done over your time as chairman, and you think, you know, put uh, things in a good position for you to be re-elected. Uh, but also, and then I'm gonna talk a little bit about why, why Texas Values uh, action as an organization has decided to endorse you. Well, thank you very much. And thank you for that support and encouragement. It means the world to me. The, as I talked about, uh, what, I, what we really see now is a tale of two parties. When I started, we hadn't done candidate recruiting, and now we have, and we've got positive results. Of it. We had not done voter registration, and now we have, and we see the positive result of that. We had not done volunteer recruiting, and now we have, and we see positive results from that. The fundraising had been, frankly, terrible, and now it's been fantastic, and uh, we've seen positive results from that. 
But as importantly, one of the things I'm most proud of is that we did all of that while also further advancing our values. So I talked about the platform, how important it is. From the moment I was elected three years ago, I've consistently, every time the legislature is open, I have been there testifying for and supporting and advancing our legislative priorities and our platform items. And I didn't just do that once I got this role. I've been doing that for years. I remember the big fight for the 20-week ban uh, back in 2013. I remember fight after fight that I showed up at, both on social issues and on fiscal issues, um, making sure to advance our shared principles. Last legislative session, I testified alone 95 times, but as importantly, I also unleashed the SREC and they testified an additional 200 times and we ended up advancing 100 bills that addressed 49 of our platform planks. Well, look, and if I could say, Mr. Chairman, I, you know, look, my team, myself, I'm probably one of the people that's at the Capitol the most our team is there every day during all 140 days of the session. Uh, we saw it, okay? We saw you, we saw the testimony, we saw your presence, and we saw members of your team that were present. And I think that made a tremendous impact. Um, you know, really haven't seen that level of activity and presence from an RPT chairman in the past. And, you know, and look, there's been some chairmen that have been done a good job in the past. Um, and look, I, you know, we've done events with Alan West. I, you know, I, I like Alan West. I, I like the principles he stands for, but I think a lot of people feel like, and this was, and I'll just talk about some of our support. It's been about, number one, your personal character. We've gotten to know you over the years, and we've seen it play out, the way you treat people, the way you win, and you help people around you win. Also, I talked about this before, your work ethic. I mean, it's, it's hard to match your work ethic, and particularly during this pandemic, all the videos and the activity and the technology that you've embraced. You mentioned it before, finances. You know, the, the party can go up and down based on finances, and it's been, you know, really at probably one of the highest levels. And some people may, may not appreciate that, but you can't help um, get conservative values represented in your Republican Party if you're not helping people with elections and standing up for those principles at the Capitol and other places. Um, and I've seen that as well. You know, your interaction with the president, I think, is so notable and how that relationship has been continued to grow. And you mentioned it before, all the, uh, the conservatives and Republicans on ballots. And so, um, but when, you know, look also courage under fire. Okay. You know, Texas gets a lot of attention and sometimes that makes it tougher, but you have been battle tested. I feel like, and before we finish up, talk a little bit about this week. It's been tough. You know, look, this is, I'm, I'm sure not the position you wanted to be in. You followed what the SREC went, but also realizing that there might be some risk involved in that, but here we are now some tough technology decisions and issues yesterday, but taking the day-to-day -to, -day to work some of those out and then, and, and what's, so I want to give you a chance just to address that, but also what to expect, what delegates can expect for the next couple of days. Well, as I told the SRC last night when I spoke to him, I am the chair, I am responsible, and I accepted responsibility for yesterday not going at all the way we wanted to. It was frustrating to not be able to unleash the wonderful grassroots energy that we have all over the state. Uh, today, we have been hard at work for hours already on plan A and plan B and plan C. We are going to make sure that we can move forward with our convention virtually tomorrow. And again, as I said, we've got a higher bar to stand because to reach because we won't 
do this without doing it properly, without making sure that our delegates have a voice and are able to execute uh, and able to express that voice and have it be valid and have it be taken for uh, taken as it should, because I want to be sure that all that work we do, that as we advance our principles, that is completely done. So we've had a team, we've got a team of developers working on um, rolling out the last of the automated solutions. We also have a team of folks working on the manual backups and workarounds for any piece of that that might not work as expected, so that our delegates are ready to go tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. We've just released a new schedule for the activities for this weekend. Please go to texasgop.org, check on the 2020 state convention page. There'll be a link there to the updated schedule. And I look forward to seeing everybody at 8 a.m. tomorrow. Well, look, and you know, in my understanding too, there were companies that were being used that the expectation was they've done this before, they know how to do it. It should have been, they should have been able to execute that and they weren't. And so I don't think that was something that anyone, including yourself, expected. But here's where we are now. Here's where you are now. You look at moving forward. We just got a couple of minutes left. And I think one of the things that for people to keep in mind, and one of the reasons Texas Values Action endorsed you, is because um, some of the things are already listed, but we're starting to get very close to November, all the way halfway through July. You've got a lot of momentum in your leadership and conservative principles with all the candidates now on the ballot. Um, the high level of money that's been raised, the relationships that you formed, um, and, and really the spotlight on Texas. And so continuing that momentum moving forward could really be key versus having someone new in leadership, changing staff, and some of the things that could go along with it. But I mean, the reality is there's more that that we share that whether it's one candidate or another that share. And I think that's the key of uniting around uh, conservative principles and what makes Texas best. And so I think that's the direction we think is best for the state. And um, we feel very confident in your leadership, but you've got some work to do over the next couple of days. So does our team. And we're going to be praying for you and as well and be a part of it because we know it's very important. We know you also are a man of faith. And, um, and that's what comes first for you and your family. And we appreciate that. And, and one more reminder, if you want to get updates on these things, 797979 is the number to text, text TX values as we see what happens and the important decisions that will be made later this week uh, at the Republican convention. Uh, 15 seconds left, Mr. Chairman, and then I'll say some nice things about you before we end. I, I am grateful for your support. I covet your prayers, everyone out there. That is the thing we need the most. And yes, 90 days from Sunday is when early voting starts for November. Great. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. James Dickey, the chairman of the Republican Party of Texas, has been our guest today on the Texas Values Report. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. And we'll continue to have updates on our website at txvaluesaction.org with important updates from the convention and other work we're doing. There's a big announcement from Attorney General Ken Paxson saying that private schools and religious schools do not have to follow these oppressive local orders that are trying to control when they reopen. We'll have more about that. Check for updates at txvaluesaction.org on the issues of faith, family, and freedom. God bless you and God bless Texas.